Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to Dan Stevens, star of FX's new show, Legion. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor of TV. And I'm Daniel Holloway, Senior TV Reporter. And it's our pleasure to welcome Dan Stevens, the star of the FX's new show, Legion. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's just start at the beginning. Why'd you sign on for the project? I mean, it really came from the mind of Noah um, and sitting down with him and having a long chat about uh, a whole heap of things, really. And then, you know, a little while later, he, he came to me with this idea and I don't think I even really saw a fully formed script until I actually signed on. I just loved the the idea. You know, the the Legion story is so insane. Um, But to see it in the hands of someone like Noah, who's got a, I don't know, just a very fresh take on the whole comic book idea. And uh, making something really quite, uh, I don't know, it has a an impish quality to it as a show. It's quite mischievous and um, it seemed like fun. So tell us about David Haller. David Haller is Legion. He's a young man who's been told most of his life he's paranoid schizophrenic and seems to exhibit a lot of those symptoms. Um, and in the course of our show, realizes that, that may not be the case. He's told by a different group of people that he might actually have some sort of powers. Um, in the grand scheme of the sort of X-Men thing, he's the, he's the bastard son of Professor Charles Xavier, um, Professor X, the creator of the X-Men. Um, and as a result, he has these, you know, insanely powerful uh, powers. He's sort of omega level mutant, um, which means, uh, that, yeah, there aren't many people who can sort of take him down, really. So he's he's quite a sort of unruly, wild character. Um, and yeah, the space he occupies in this Marvel universe is quite interesting. He's quite a quite a weird one. Were you chomping at the bit in any way to get into that universe or to play a sort of super heroic character? I think it, it, you know, it depends on the project. Depends on you know who's who's behind it, and um, you know there've certainly been um, you know ideas of, of other ways you know to get involved, and I know they haven't been as as uh, appetizing as this one was. Um, and I think you know with the with the Fargo team, um, you know we've got Dana Gonzalez uh, you know behind the camera with with Noah and and the other directors, and you know there's a there's a visual language to this show that to me, seems very unique. I'd certainly never worked on anything quite like it before. Um, and to see a show that sort of matched visually, you know, in its insanity with what's on the page is is really exciting. We've seen a lot of superhero shows on TV, but this doesn't feel like the other superhero shows we've seen. Right. It's got a, it's got a very different aesthetic. Um, and I think that's that's just kind of fun. I think there's room for, there's room for that now. And I think it really honors the spirit of 
the comic book genre. You know, without we're not directly adapting any particular storyline from the Legion comics, but you know, there's there's a look that's taken, and there's also a certain kind of nostalgia. Um, you know, there's a, a vaguely sort of sixties aesthetic to some of the production design, which sort of alludes to the the generational conflict within Legion. So this idea of you know blaming his father and you know, blaming his provenance for all of his problems and actually, you know, maybe needing to, to check himself first. And uh, I don't know there's a lot of, there's a lot of quite, uh, quite interesting sort of storylines at play. Um, I guess at its heart, it's a love story as well. Um, you know, and, and the idea that love is a, is a sort of madness that we can all uh, suffer from. But when somebody who is mad suffers from it, things get extra especially crazy. Um, and then if they have superpowers, then it's just, you know, well, you better make a TV show about it. So, yeah. <laughs> You're uh, the... Love interest character is also named Sid Barrett, which is a great reference to the 60s and insanity. Yeah. I, I sort of became vaguely convinced during the making of the pilot that if you uh, played Dark Side of the Moon simultaneously <laughs> with the pilot, it might make sense somehow. I think you have to um, play it backwards. Yeah, I think something like that. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but I will. Um, yeah, there's definitely you know a, a, an influence of the sort of post-war psychedelic route that some of our, well, some of the baby boomer generation took. You know, I think there's, there's sort of two quite distinct camps of that generation, people who resolutely did not drop acid and those who resolutely did. And certainly in America, I think you, you, you meet more of those uh, generation, you know, and they, those people have uh, been breeding over the last few decades. And, you know, they have children who are now making television shows. And, uh, you know, I think this is very much the, the product of that kind of world, really. Um, yeah, it's the, the child of that, that, uh, that strange generation. Talk about working with Noah Hawley. How did you begin to develop this character? Well, there's lots of different ways of of, uh, of diving into Legion. You know, he's a he's a multiplicity of characters in the you know the, in the comic book universe. Um, I think you know from Noah's point of view, he wanted to to tell the story of a of a young man who's been told one thing his whole life, and you know suddenly told something quite different. And also the idea that you know within the uh, within the world of the paranoid schizophrenic or someone who's exhibiting those characters there are these multiple realities that are influenced by different characters that he encounters but for the sufferer of that condition they are all real like the, all the realities are very vivid and they're very real there's not one that seems more fantastical than the other or they all seem fantastical but there's there's a truth to all of them and so i think that was that was the thing that you know we we initially tried to set up was was the idea that any one of these very very strange happenings for david could be really happening and quite real and so there's something terrifying about that. There's something also really funny, and there's a there's a lot of humor, I think, to be mined out of uh, that sort of awareness, um, and that you know the sort of presence that he feels in in the most unlikely of, of situations. To me, is is I don't know. That's where a lot of the comedy comes from. How? What do you have to do to prepare to play someone who has been told he's crazy, but is not actually crazy, but might be damaged from that process? What you mean? What do, what do you do in order to prepare to be damaged or to be changed or, or, or both? I guess both. Um, oh, it's a lifetime in the making. That um, no, I, I think um, you know. I think one of the interesting things that Noah certainly sort of in, encourages towards was, I guess, again, it comes back to that sort of accepting things as they come in. So being very sort of present for each script that came in, every sort of insane scenario that David might find himself in, um, just to have a certain, you know, a, a different kind of presence so that, you know, David is not plotting 
the trajectory of his life. As far as he's concerned, he's in an institution and is probably going to be there, you know, for the foreseeable under quite heavy medication. And things start to change. And I think, you know, that sort of, the sort of psychonautic expedition uh, that, that we undertake with this uh, is very fertile ground for, for storytelling, really, because it enables you to go over his history, his his provenance, his upbringing, his childhood, but then also having these sort of, you know, counter-realities firing at him from these sort of invading characters in his in his psyche. Um, yeah, it makes for quite a wild uh, narrative, you know. Um, yeah. How much did... Were you prepared for? I mean, were you when you looked at the pages? Did you know that you were going to like? Okay, now I've got this song and dance sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those 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 things came thick and fast. Um, there's a there's a bit in one of the later episodes where I learned to play the banjo. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing I that. I've never played the banjo in my life, and and there was a script came in and it just said David plays a certain song on the banjo. <laughs> And that was it. And uh, I said to Noah's assistant, I was like, it says I've got to play the banjo in the next episode. I was like, what, what am I going to do? And she said, well, would you like a banjo? I said, yeah, I want a banjo. I've got 10 days to do this. <laughs> and she came back five minutes later and said, there'll be one here in 90 minutes. Excellent. They, they, from somewhere in Vancouver, they procured this banjo. And yeah, I just played it mercilessly for 10 days and, and came up with this weird, it's probably the weirdest cover of that song you'll ever, uh, you'll ever see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, stuff like that was coming all the time, you know, and, and the idea that, you know, within, within the, the genre that we've sort of created for this show, you can have a musical number and it's not necessarily a song and dance number. It could be contemporary dance or it could be Bollywood or, you know, there might be some weird, creepy folk cover of a really old, you know, favorite children's tune that you, you know, know and love. Um, you know, it, it's, all, it's all possible within the, uh, you know, within the sort of framework that we've, we've popped up. Um, there's some really weird sort of silent comedy um, later in the series that, you know, it's I've never seen anything like it. That just, you know, it's almost like you miss it. You miss a musical number when it doesn't appear in an episode. It's <laughs> right. like, oh, I wanted to sing. You know, <laughs> it's like the old Family Guys or something. Um, yeah, um, I th- you know, I love that there's room for that in this. And uh, someone like Bill Irwin, who, you know, to my mind is one of this country's great physical comedian. You know, is a great clown. And you know, to have someone like him come and do his thing with with one of those characters amazing to watch um yeah and there's room for it i mean because noah's created this world of we don't know if it's real we don't know if it's in david's imagination yes i mean that's the playfulness of it and that's i think where a lot of the mischief of the show comes from is you know it's as a showrunner noah is um yeah there, there is an impish quality to him and um i think there was a certain kind of mischievous playfulness with with the cast and with the story that we were presented with but similarly in the edit and the the show that we're presented with it's very playful with the with the viewer um with the music choices which you know Noah is renowned for his awesome music choices and that is you know that holds very true in this I think and uh yeah like I said there's a there's a visual language to it that is is just very it's cheeky how uh how much would Noah let you in on sort of not the joke but what was going on I mean did you have a sense of what was real or what wasn't (laughs) Not enough. Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't initially. And that's what I mean. Like, it, it then forced me to to put David in a different mode, you know. So I, I, I couldn't necessarily play one scenario like, oh, this is clearly not happening in my head. This is not real right now. There was always that question of this is this is probably fake or maybe it's real or constantly, you know. And um, 
Yeah, I think it, it, it forced me to, you know, take things in, a, in an interesting direction as a, as a performer, which, you know, helps me to feel alive while making it, you know. Um, but no, he was definitely, he was quite conservative with some of the details. I think I'm convinced other members of the cast were told more than I was, but maybe that's just a <laughs> paranoid delusion. Um. But to follow that point, do you know the ultimate endgame? Yes, kind of. Yeah, I know the, I know the overall um, aim of, you know, of, of what he was looking to make. And um, I don't know where it, it, I mean, it could go any number of ways uh, if, you know, if we're allowed to continue. And, you know, the, the, the universe of Legion, the, the scope of that universe within the, the comic book universe is, is epic. And uh, yeah, there's no end to the sort of madness that we could we could bring in if if we want to. Um, but it's nice to sort of bring it to a to a human level and and to find those sort of human connectivity stories, I suppose, you know, with, within the madness and and to sort of root the story in something real and true, like a like a love story um, <clears throat> and a quest for you know a quest for your identity, I suppose. Um, you know that rooting it in that enables us to to go to these sort of far flung places with it. You, go ahead. You've seen the first two episodes, right? I have just yeah. Is it weird to watch yourself move things with your mind? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's yeah, there's a fair bit of that. Um, in the in the first episode, it's not so, so much under his control. Um, and yeah, watching some of those sequences being shot and being part of those were was insane. I mean, a lot of the effects on the show, I have to say, are quite practical. I mean, I wasn't standing in the middle of that kitchen as it as it blew up quite, but um, but they really blew up a kitchen. I mean, they, there was drawers full of stuff and you know playing cards and Pringles and yeah, they blew those doors and <laughs> uh, and things were flying and just you know you shoot that at uh, you know high frame rate and it just looks awesome. <laughs> is that challenging to know that you're going to be sitting in a scene and then all the stuff is going to explode around you? No, it's great. It's <laughs> mad. Um, no, it's 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 what the show is all about, really. It's just sort of, uh, yeah, unexpectedly being put in these very very odd situations. I think it uh, it resonates throughout the season, really. Talk about working with the rest of the cast. It's a great team, and you know, Noah's got a very uh, a good facility for pulling together nice, like minded people. Um, and I suppose the first two I, I really got to know were Rachel Keller and and Aubrey Plaza who are a bit like the sort of good and bad angel uh, for David um, for, for quite a lot of the series. Um, but also to have, you know, the you know, people like Gene Smart and Bill Owen um, who bring, I don't know, just years of, of grace and learning uh, to the set. And, um, you know, particularly, like I said, watching Bill Owen's comedy and, and you know, the the diligence with which he, he executes some of the, you know, it's just something you, you can barely... Uh, learn it really it's just you just you sort of watch and admire uh, people like that at work and um yeah and a lot of new faces as well amber Midthunder and uh, jeremy harris and you know it was a really a really nice gang and uh we had a lot of fun trying to sort of figure out what exactly it was we were making at times i think there were a lot of sort of team huddles of like what's going on <laughs> is this real <laughs> um, but uh, i think we we've all come out of it um you know we had a good time, and, and we're excited to see what people make of it, I think. Um, do you worry that people will walk into it expecting sort of a bang-pow action superhero show and see this weird thing and react oddly to it? I don't know who would be expecting that of this, really, you know, given 
the pedigree. Well, well, given what it already looks like, you know, from from I think, um, you know, the little that we that we already know about it, and and also if you know about Legion, you know, it's not really a, a what did you call it a bang pow kind of, uh, you know, he's he's not really one of those guys. Right. Um, I mean, there are things that go bang, and there are certainly moments of pow. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's 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 different, and um, and it has a different look to it. You know, um, so I think you know th- those shows are definitely out there if you want one of those. Um, and this is a little bit different, I suppose. Um, I mean, it's such a mad, mad character that it, it sort of deserves a, a slightly different um, framework, I guess. You know, to to sort of hang this one on. Um, but yeah, there's you know there's, there are moments of, of action in it, but it's um, yeah it's not really that kind of show. So you didn't have to go into fight training for this series. Mm-hmm. I the, the, the fighting was kind of outsourced. Um, I think Amber Amber took the heat most of this season with that. She learned all sorts of crazy martial arts moves and was working on. I don't know what you call it that kind of post with the wooden pole sticking out of it. That, you know, oh, you know one of those? Yeah, the, from I, Kung Fu movies. It has a name. I don't know the name right now. Um, anyway, she was... We'll always, add that in post. Exactly, exactly, you know, the thing. Um, <laughs> she, you know, she was working, you know, for weeks on, the, on that thing. And, um, you know, David can kind of, you know, he does outsource certain uh, powers to, to different parts of his brain, different uh, manifestations. So it was kind of nice to do that in, you know, in production, as it were. It's like, Amber will now do a fight sequence and David is unconscious on a bed somewhere. So, you know, it kind of works. Noah has said that this is a standalone series... How do you feel about that? Are you comfortable with that? It can exist as a standalone series, mm-hmm. of course, and I think that's that should always be the point of a, of a show. Um, you know, you don't want to leave too much unresolved, but I think there are certainly questions um, uh, at the end of it that uh, I I want to see answered. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it really is a quite quite a trip the whole the whole eight episodes, and um, you know, I think in these sort of forty five minute, you know episodes that we have now and and, you know the way that sort of television is now ingested it has become a little bit like a you know um like a pill or something like a drug of choice you know and and people want to sit down whenever they sit down to watch their shows and and i don't know feel something or, or have their brain tickled in a particular way um so i think yeah i think this show will will do some brain tickling for sure um you're just distracted by the phrase sorry, brain tickling. Brain, yeah. brain, brain, brain tickling. tickling. It's like, just thinking that, about what it would be that? like to have my brain tickled. I guess, Am I, I guess to say the, that? With the powers that uh, David has, you could actually tickle someone's brain probably. Um, I, I think he frequently does. Yeah, it's sort of, I don't know. If I, I, yeah. Would you be up for another season? I thought you were going to say, would you be up for more brain tickling? Um, <laughs> That's a different show. <laughs> I, I would definitely be up for another season. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it really is role of a lifetime kind of thing where, where anything is, is possible with him. And, um, and it's just such a nice gang of people. Um, so, yeah, it would be a pleasure to, to get at it again and see see what more madness we can cook up. I've got to ask you, how does this compare to, you know, Downton Abbey for you? <laughs> <laughs> Remarkably similar. Um, yes. <laughs> no, it's, um, I mean, it couldn't be much more different. It's, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was asked that yesterday, and I sort of don't know where to begin, really. Um, they're, they're fundamentally very, very different, uh, different things. Um, Although I am in a wheelchair in one of the early episodes, so there's that. Um, there's a thematic theme. There is, yeah. A- I like to be in a wheelchair at least once uh, <laughs> at some point. It's in your contract. It's in your contract. In your series. Um, must be in wheelchair. Yeah, just for one episode. Um, but, um, 
No, I mean... They, you said you, know, you wanted to take on different roles when exactly, you left Downton. Yeah. You be, be careful what you ask for. Um, no, it is, you know, it's been a delight to find something um, so very, very different and, you know, an American character and one that has a much more modern aesthetic and sensibility to it. And, um, no, it's, I mean, it's unlike any show I've ever read before, um, this one. So, you know, to compare it to anything is quite tricky, I think, um, but it definitely has a it has a fondness for those slightly strange uh, filmmakers with a very you know very strong aesthetic Kubrick and Wes Anderson I guess um, that have a slightly uh, you know a sort of willful kookiness to them um, and a, a weirdness um, but they kind of own their weirdness you know um, I like things that own their weirdness. It did occur to me when I was watching the first episode that I didn't know what would shock my mother more, which would be to hear you speak in an American accent or to see your hair messed up. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, yeah. I don't know which is what, what is the more upsetting for people. Um, I, yes. I, I don't know. I, I spoke in the, in the American accent for quite a lot of the shoot. And I think some of the crew didn't realize I was British until um, a bit later on. But that's fine. Um, the hair is not... I mean, if you look at the comics for Legion, he has really insane hair. He has like a racer head style hair. Yeah, sort of um, Slim Jim guy. Um, <laughs> we haven't got there yet. We're working towards that hair, I think. Is that season so, three hair? Maybe. Yeah. What do you think? I think, yeah, it's going to get progressively <laughs> higher. <laughs> yeah, we just have to pull out the frame as, you know, as the hair grows. Um, but yeah, we're sort of we're working out to earn, earn that hair. But he has great hair. I think he has some of the it's best a big part of his life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things to look forward to. Yep. Um, what uh, What have you been doing? I mean, is, <laughs> what have you been doing? What have you been doing with yourself? <laughs> no, I, I know that you've done after Downton. You did a lot of theater. You came over to the U.S. and did Broadway. Um, in terms of like that balancing act, like what are you doing right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't done enough theater really since since Downton. I did I did the one play uh, here, which was great, and then I've just got into to doing movies mainly until Legion came along and. Um, yeah, I've been really getting into you know the the New York film scene and, and getting to know the, the film community there. Um, there's some really extraordinary young filmmakers in that city, and you know I'm really I'm proud to count myself as a as a resident of Brooklyn now, and um, you know really enjoying working with with people there. Um, and it bridges Europe and Los Angeles beautifully for me um, over there. Um, so yeah, you know doing little indies in in New York, I guess, and, and all over. Um, what else have I been up to? Beauty and the Beast, I suppose. Oh, yeah, um, that's a thing, right? That's a thing. That's a thing. Um, uh, which is coming out in March. And uh, so we shot that a long time ago now um, in, in England. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been happening. What can you say about that yet? Uh, it's magic. I mean, it's uh, I've been watching that, that process of, you know, the, the motion capture into the, the fully rendered beast for the last few months. And it's... It's amazing, I've, you know. It's been it's like watching watching a performance being sort of digitally sculpted. Um, it's it's quite incredible, um, but it's it's beautiful. It's it's magic, and um, you know, it's. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You seem like you're in the right age for that movie to have been something that you saw when you were a child. Yes, I think yeah. People of my sort of generation, it, it seems to resonate with men and women. Actually, it's it's a. I think because of the nature of the of the tale. Um, it really does have a, a, a resonance for everybody. And, um, yeah, that sort of mid, mid-90s um, thing coming around, um, it's, it has a, a lot of people have a soft spot for that film. 
and I think we, you know, we, what we've made is uh, it really honours the original, um, but it does some, you know, some fun new things as well, and it just looks gorgeous. Yeah. Who who wins in a fight, David or the Beast? <laughs> David Holler, yeah. Uh, ooh, I think yeah, I think Holler would have him. Yeah. Um, although, hmm, hmm. I don't know. Spin off. Spin off. <laughs> We're putting another hat. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the Beast is Omega level, um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's great. You know, he can handle himself with wolves. You heard it here first. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Now we're going to take a bit of a turn. Our resident reality expert, reporter Elizabeth Wagmeister, got the chance to sit down with Nick Vial, the star of ABC's Bachelor. Here's what Nick had to say about what's coming up on the hit reality show. Elizabeth Wagmeister, Variety's TV reporter, and I am here with The Bachelor, Nick Vile. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you have jumped into a crazy world now. You've been in The Bachelor family for quite some time, but how does it feel now to be The Bachelor? It feels different. Um, it feels good. Um, no complaints. It's certainly... Um, a little different on this side of things, but um, I mean, I, I feel good. I don't know. There's a little bit more pressure being um, The Bachelor. I'd say so. Yeah. When you first came in to Andy season, mm -hmm. so years back, was there any thought in your mind, even just as a fan, saying, I would love to be The Bachelor one day? No. I mean, it, I don't know, again, if people believe this, but even for myself, and I feel like I could speak for the majority of my peers, is I think when you when you get asked to be on the show, and I think a lot of people have friends who submit them, and I think some people might submit themselves, I think that in itself is a bit of a surreal um, moment or experience. You, you don't have any real experience of being on TV, and the concept of that is kind of mind-blowing in itself. And I think that just kind of blows you away. And I think really the most people, for most people, when they um, decide to go on or get asked to go on and agree to go on, I think the majority of people's first thought in the first you know, couple of weeks leading up to showing up or and going into night one is just not to get sent home night one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I truly believe that. It's not how it was for me. And I think... You know, when you're going through the experience, um, while, it's, while it's being filmed and you're going through it, and I can only speak, speak for myself, but I have talked with some of my peers, is that it's surprising just how little you are thinking about that this is going to be a TV show, that, that what I'm doing today and what I'm talking about is eventually going to be aired on national television. You, you really, it's such a powerful um, you know, environment, and it's so locked off from the rest of the world that you you're aware of it. Like you're not like completely oblivious to it, but it's surprising how much you don't think about it in those moments. Um, and I think everyone's different, but like for someone like myself on any season who went all the way to the end and was a quote unquote runner up, even then, like you, you leave and then like your friends will start saying to you like, well, do you think you could be the bachelor? You went far, you know? And then that's, I think those are the moments when you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I could, but even then it seems so real, so, so surreal. So, uh, for, for myself, certainly not. Like it was never like, oh, I could, 
be the best. I think the criticism that people will throw out, like they're the wrong reasons criticism is I think sometimes a, a very convenient thing to say um, from like uh, people who watch it or even cast members in the house when like someone just does something that they don't like. So I think for the most part, people's um, um, intentions of going on are, are you know, um, genuine in the sense that they're just going because what's probably just an incredible experience and they don't really know much more than that and the rest is kind of plays out Mm -hmm. so i think most people know but for those listening who don't uh nick you like i said have been in the bachelor franchise for quite some time so you first started on andy season then came into caitlin's season Mm -hmm. then bachelor in paradise Mm -hmm. and now here you are as the bachelor correct so I want to hear what was it like when you found out that you were picked to be the Bachelor. Tell me what that call was like. Well, I first got a text message. It was on a Sunday evening, um, and it's kind of interesting. Um, backtracking um, to go on Paradise, it, you know, I had two very intense experiences on the on the Bachelorette, and so. Um, and you know, I was commonly known as the the villain on Andy's season. Mm-hmm. On Caitlyn's season, it was kind of mixed reviews. I actually was pr- kind of happy with um, my portrayal on Caitlyn's season, but I came in as this already previous villain. You know, and coming in late, I didn't do myself any favors. Mm-hmm. But I was actually okay with uh, uh, with it. Um, and again, it was more mixed, like where I was kind of unanim- unanimously not liked on any season. It was kind of like what I was, I was more described as polarizing, where mm-hmm. people either were really into me or not. And so by the time pa- Paradise came around, I just was like, I really wasn't too interested, you know. And my producer friends were, um, I'm friends with and would still talk to them, and they would encourage me from time to time to think about it. And then finally, I was just like, you know what? I have some friends going. Why not? Like Paradise, from what I heard from my friends who've done it before, it's really relaxed and laid back. But I was like, it was just more like, sure, I was open to meeting someone, but... End of the day, free trip, right? I didn't have many expectations <laughs> other than that. And when I got done filming it, it was like, well, that was fun. You know, I, I felt pretty confident about it going well. And I actually, the two of the you know, top executives, I'm still friends with. And I actually, uh, after Paradise, um, about a week or two before they asked me to be a bachelor, caught up with them individually to for lunch and coffee. Just talked about life. There was no conversation about being the bachelor. Um, I, you know, it wasn't even a thought. You know, no one goes on Paradise and then ends up becoming the bachelor. And when I met with them, it's not like we talked about it. And then there was a, a week before I was announced on a Sunday night. I got a text message like, "Hey, would you like to grab a cup of coffee?" I was like, "I'm oh, sure." You know, I was I was free. And then they both met with me, and, and then they asked, and I was shocked. Um, I actually kind of was like, I mean, I knew they weren't joking, but I was like, huh? I was a little confused. And quite honestly, I've I've I kind of had a I want a, a sick feeling. Because you know, this world is intense, mm-hmm. right? It, there, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility that goes in with being the bachelor. And my gut told me that I would probably say yes, mm-hmm. you know, because it was such an amazing opportunity, um, and a lot of great things can come from it. But at the same time, I wasn't sure if it was the right decision for me. I had, I do have a lot of insecurities about, um, you know, how I am perceived or, or finding love on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm aware of the fact that it may not be. Uh, the most successful approach, but it is an approach that can work and has worked. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was really nervous. And eventually I thought about it for a couple of days and, and decided to say yes, just because I just figured I'd regret it if I said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a preference over being a contestant or being the leading man? I mean, I, I suppose I'd take being the bachelor. Right. I mean, it's never you get fun. Your choice. Yeah. I mean, like it is, 
Dating 30 women or 25 women or 22, now we're down to 21, I think, on the show right now. It is hard. Mm -hmm. It is. It is super hard. Um, you often feel like no matter what decision you make, you, you, you probably are going to frustrate someone. Mm -hmm. um, but it's certainly better than dating one woman with a bunch of other guys. Right. Um, so I will. It, it is hard, but I will take being The Bachelor over being uh, one of the contestants any day. Now let's talk about some of the contestants this season. Mm. I've been watching The Bachelor since the beginning. Okay. And I think that this crop of women is, they are made for TV. I mean, okay. I know that they're... Is that a good thing? For, I know it's okay. a great thing as what, a viewer. What are your thoughts so far on the first two episodes? I, mean, I think it's great. That's okay. what I'm saying. It's just, it's such good TV. And I know, like you said, that hopefully people are there for the right reasons, but they also happen to be really good TV characters. I'm specifically maybe thinking about Corinne. Yeah, I don't think those are mutually exclusive, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, let's talk about Corinne. Let's talk about Corinne. Yeah. So... I'm just going to stare at you, but since we have people listening and there's mm. no camera on us right now. I'm, I've gotten really I'm good to, at having a poker I know, I'm face. I'm trying to yeah. see where Corinne may be uh, by the end of this, but I think from the first two episodes, she's certainly polarizing, to use your word. She's... She's very polarizing. She's probably more on the... Right now, probably viewed more closely to where I was on Andy's season is less less polarizing and more she's getting some, some negative heat mm -hmm. right now. Does she soften up at all? Will her perception change among the viewers, do you think? Um, you know, not with, at the risk of trying to give too much away. I do think people should, should be patient, um, with, with judging um, really anyone on the show, but specifically Corinne. Um, I think the show over time has shown that, you know, opinions can change quickly about someone. And I think sometimes the, the Bachelor Nation as a viewer has, there's a kind of a traditional way of like, people kind of get quickly put in these silos of the villain or the the sweetheart or and i think the show has evolved where the characters have become more dynamic you know um, i think you know you look at my journey so to speak you know in terms of who would ever know i i would never have thought i'd be in this position because i was considered the villain or polarizing and i think what you you might see um uh, you know corinne evolve a little bit but, you know, certainly she has a big personality, mm -hmm. um, and I don't expect that to change. So people will always probably have strong opinions about her, but my guess is it might soften over time. Mm -hmm. Now, I also wanted to ask you about Liz. Of course, she's mm -hmm. now off the show, as we saw in yeah. a recent episode, mm -hmm. uh, but you had met her at Jaden Tanner's wedding. You guys had, at that point, a one-night stand, and then she came on the show. Yeah. Did you... I, what were your conversations like with producers? Did you have any idea that she was coming on the show? I had no idea she was coming on, so I was certainly surprised. Um, they were certainly aware of the situation when um, they casted her. Um, and I definitely remembered her uh, when she got out of the limo. I was a little surprised. You could tell by your face. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what to think, right? So she gets out. I had already met 14 women at that point. And I see her and instantly I'm like, oh, that is Liz, you know? <laughs> but I was like, okay. But then, you know, there's a part of my brain's thinking like, Wait, is it Liz? I'm pretty sure it's, it looks just like Liz, mm -hmm. right? And then she comes up, and I'm kind of expecting this, it's really nice to see you again. And and then she kind of went with this approach of, well, I'm going to see if he remembers me. Mm -hmm. So I, in my head, and this is all kind of, you saw my eyes. So this is all, this is my thought process. Like at the end of the day, like, uh, not the end of the day, but like on the off chance, like I'm wrong. Like if this is her doppelganger, if this is someone who looks just like Liz, I'm not going to just be like, 
Right. Hey, it's how, how's it? and she's like, huh? Like I'm, uh, but then because then you're like, wait, where are, are you not the one that I yeah, spent the and, night with? And she didn't say her name, right? She didn't come out and be like, hi, I'm Liz, or it's Liz. And Liz wasn't, you know, other women because there's so much going on forgot to introduce themselves. And most time I caught it, but there were a couple, like for example, Whitney. She didn't say her name, and I forgot to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she didn't say her name. So I was just like, oh. and then she walked in, and I, I was like, I, I know that's her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little taken back just by her approach. It, it was a, it was an interesting thing because I was very. Um, There's a lot going through my head on how do I handle this situation, right? Um, on one side. Um, I appreciated Liz making the effort. You know, some people could could make parallel parallels between me coming back on Caitlin's season and, and Liz showing up. Now, mm-hmm. very different circumstances, but you know, there are some small similarities. Um, and immediately, well, I didn't like I said last last night. I don't think we did anything wrong. We're two adults. So, you know, I'm a. I don't think sex is a bad thing. You know, I don't think anyone should be shamed for it. You know, and I've but but at the same time, I've certainly learned my lessons even in Bachelor World about. Um, talking about that stuff um, openly without kind of getting the consent or, of that other person. So Liz walks in. I'm like, all right, like these other women, I feel like have a right to at least know the situation. Like previous existing relationships aren't exactly a well-received things when you're dating multiple women. But at the same time, I'm like, I need to talk to Liz. <laughs> but also, like I knew that I, you know, especially night one and even going to the first week of dating. To me, it was as much of a priority to give the other women um, the attention and time that they deserved. You know, um, so I was trying to not only juggle like how do I approach this, but when should I approach it? Because if I had talked to Liz right away, I feel like I would be they would create this whole big story before I even had a chance to sit down and talk with any of them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to give I didn't want to treat Liz any differently than any of the other women. It was like, all right, I'm just gonna go through this week and even on that day that she was on I, I talked to her last deliberately because had I talked to her first I thought maybe the conversation might end up the way it did and I couldn't imagine how the rest of the date would have gone with the other women all we would have talked about was Liz mm-hmm. you know we wouldn't have talked about like where you're from tell me, tell me a little bit so I felt like I would have wasted a whole week of dating talking about Liz with the other women so that's why I decided to wait and then have that conversation and for me it was really important to um, not make Liz um, feel like you know, again she did anything wrong or that it had anything to do with our past. It was just about how you how she approached it. And again, like when I came back from Caitlin's season, I was aware of you know how it could be perceived, right? How I might might come across, but I knew why I was coming. Like I knew that I felt like you know again very different situations. Caitlin and I had talked all the way up until she left to be the bachelor. It wasn't like why haven't you reached out re- recently? But still. Mm-hmm. I felt like Caitlin might have some direct questions for me. I certainly knew the guys would have some questions for me and maybe even Bachelor Nation at some point. So I prepared myself to be able to answer those questions. And I kind of expected a minimum the same for Liz, where like I felt like I just kind of asked some very basic questions, none of which were really answered directly. And I think for more than anything, that was like, you know, maybe this isn't the right situation for us to, to move things forward. And, you know, and like I, I think the world of Liz, I think she's great. Um, she didn't, you know... I think it was great that she took a risk, but it just it it just wasn't the best situation for us to kind of uh, pick up the pieces from when we first met to try to move a relationship forward. And mm-hmm. you know, I just thought it was best for both of us mm-hmm. to say goodbye. Okay, so I know that you can't tell me how the season ends, even though I wish you would. Uh, but would you rather know? I would love to know. You don't want to like enjoy the journey. 
No, I just want to know so I can spoil everyone. It is. I'm only honest with you, Nick. I appreciate that. Are you happy with how it turned out? I am always happy. I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy. (laughs) Um, I have no regrets. That's a very good canned statement, Nick. Yeah. Hmm, I'm trying to figure out another way that I mind can ask. you. Like well, I have done this a while. I know. I'm well okay, trained. Well, you know in what I will ask of... you though. What I'm really curious, and I think a lot of viewers want to know, is obviously right now the season's done filming, mm-hmm. but you are a person of interest in the media mm-hmm. at this point. But you're never seen. So what are the precautions that are taken? Like you can't be out. Yeah, like where a, are you now when you're a, not doing press? That's a great question. Um, it's one thing I've always that's always been important to me ever since my first time on the show. And granted, things are a bit different now because it's it's heightened even more. Is that I just don't change too much. I, I'm a little bit smarter and a little bit more aware of of, of how uh, I can be perceived, or 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 a little bit more um, a little more mindful of of things like the media and things like that. But I generally just do the same thing. I, I still Uber pool. You know, mm-hmm. like I, don't, I think it's great value. But um, if you, it is. But if you are engaged at this point, sure. then you can't be seen out with your fiance. Yeah, no, you can't. If, if I am with someone, I can't be uh, seen out with her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, perception can be seen as re- reality at times. So, um, if I'm out in a social setting, I am mindful of um, going out with my guy friends. I have a lot of friends who are females, but I have to be careful about like. You know, there, lots of times I'd go out with like two of my female friends who are platonic and we just go out. Right. And um, now everyone's a paparazzi. Everyone has a camera mm-hmm. phone. Everyone has Snapchat. And in a loud bar, having a female whispering in your ear could look like something very different if, if it's captured at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are little things I'm mindful of right now, um, just to be smart, mm-hmm. uh, just to go out. And the reality is because I have eyes on me when it comes to my dating relationship, I, I do have to be careful. I do have to be mindful. Uh, I can't just hang out with female friends the way I used to, even if the, the intentions were totally innocent. Um, it, but that's, I do, I do have to be careful in that sense. Okay. Last question, because we are almost out of time. We don't know how your journey ends on the bachelor, but would you be interested in either doing dancing with the stars or perhaps a spinoff? Because right now Freeform has a spinoff series. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm focused on being the bachelor. Um, you know, I, I'm always someone who never expected to go on the bachelorette again or paradise and certainly didn't expect this. So I never say, well, I would never do this. I'd never do that. I think there are pros and cons to every situation. Um, I think dancing could be a lot of fun. I mean, anyone who I've known who's done it said it's an amazing experience, but there's also some challenges that come with it. Um, I, I think, you know, I've talked to Ben and Lauren uh, about things and I think they enjoyed the experience, but it, it, that also had its challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, who knows? Like, I don't know what's going to come after this. I don't know what's going to come my way, I'm, but I'm someone who likes to take each opportunity, look at the pros and cons and kind of decide individually. But, Obviously, I think both those things sound cool. They sound fun. I think anyone would be lucky to be approached for those things, and, and who knows what will happen. But are you a good dancer? That's what's most important. Uh, I mean, I like to think I have sweet feet, but um, I'm a hoot at a wedding. I don't, I don't know. I hear so. Says Liz. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Got me there. <laughs> you set um, yourself up for that I one, I did. That was, a, that was a softball right down yeah, the middle. I know. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm nothing if not, you know, a good interview. All right. Well, if this was longer, I would poke more fun at you, but it can't be. So thank you so much, Nick, for, for joining me. us, and good luck. Thank you. Hope you have a happy ending.
Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. We've got a How to Get Away with Murder special. We're talking to creator Pete Nowak, as well as some members of the cast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.